Hello and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm Keandra, your host. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I have lived experience and recovered from my own eating disorder. And this podcast aims to bring a bit of understanding and awareness to many topics surrounding recovery and eating disorders. And in today's episode, I am welcomed by a really, really special guest. And we're going to be talking about a topic that often overlaps with eating disorders that I don't know as much about um, as I'd like to myself. So we're going to be talking about ADHD and eating disorders and the overlap there um, and how someone would seek treatment. And I'm joined by Nicole, who um, runs the virtual practice Eating with ADHD. So Nicole, welcome. Please tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, (laughs) thank you so much for having me. Um, So I am a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and um, certified diabetes care and education specialist. Um, Although I don't focus on diabetes as much now, I still include that in my practice. Um, But I focus primarily on adults with ADHD who struggle with disordered eating um, and just sort of chaotic eating. And most of the people I work with are primarily women or identify as women who have been diagnosed with ADHD later in life, or they've been struggling with ADHD for so long and they haven't really done much about it, which is sort of a classic ADHD symptom. (laughs) And um, I basically help them to improve their relationship with food through intuitive eating, improve their life with ADHD because most of them don't actually even know how ADHD is affecting the way that they eat. And I sort of take them through my process of, you know, improving their relationship with food, improving their relationship with movement, and just getting them to a place where they really feel more in control around food. Definitely. I mean, it's it's a really important area because I think a lot of the time people don't understand the the overlap or the link between the two and just see them as two separate disorders or illnesses. And and again, can, can kind of box people off. But, you know, given you work in the field, was there a reason that kind of you came about came about working in such a niche niche field? I had always had trouble focusing um, throughout my whole life. And I never understood why um, until I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 33. And it was actually a self-diagnosis initially, um, which is very, very common. Many women, especially women, I don't want to stereotype, but it is it, primarily women because of the fact that we tend to have more of the inattentive type of ADHD, which is where you don't have that sort of very obvious impulsivity, you know, outwards where you have the hyperactivity of the body, it's more hyperactivity of the mind. And so you can sort of seem a little bit spacey or a little bit daydreamy. Um, Your mind is sort of racing, but no one can see it from the outside. And so we often get diagnosed with things like anxiety, depression, um, OCD even because of these ruminations and things that we have. And so I didn't get diagnosed like many of us until later in life. And I struggled for a really long time with those symptoms and they overlap a lot with the disordered eating. And a lot of times the ADHD causes disordered eating. And then there's, you know, sort of where it's like masking the symptoms. And then there's the disordered eating piece that I struggled with for a long time as well. Body dysmorphia. Um, I struggled Most of the disorder, most of the eating disorders that you can name, I've struggled with them um, throughout my life. 
for many reasons through, you know, family issues and all of these other things that sort of trigger disordered eating. But, um, but yeah, I, I think there was a lack of education and a lack of understanding around ADHD and disordered eating when I first figured it out. There wasn't really a lot of talk about it online. There was mostly like restrictions where you'd go on and say, don't eat these foods for ADHD, or this is how you cure your ADHD with foods. First of all, we know we can't cure ADHD and they were all promoting restriction, which we know promotes disordered eating. And that's not what I needed at the time. I needed to simplify eating and make it easier and get my head out of these ruminating thoughts that I had and my obsessions with food. And so I thought, okay, I clearly need help. And so I went down the path of intuitive eating, which we all know is amazing for disordered eating. But there were some pieces with intuitive eating that don't quite work as well for people with ADHD. Um, So I figured that I really need to learn how my brain works figure out the ADHD piece and sort of mend the two together, which is what I do with myself and with my clients. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like you've been on your, your own kind of journey and, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously a lot of that was done by research yourself, but I think some people just aren't able to, you know, make that leap. And that's why it's really, really important that you're bringing awareness to such specific needs in some some respect because obviously medical professionals don't normally have that holistic view of things and and kind of box box people off first off uh, like how do ADHD and eating disorders come together like what is that underlying connection with somewhat different conditions with ADHD there's there's a lot of issues with impulse control and there's a basically a lack of um dopamine in the brain. And so there's like a chemistry issue. I mean, ADHD itself is a neurological brain disorder. So there's a lack of dopamine. There's a lack of issue in terms of um, the way that our neurotransmitters work. And so anytime we have an issue with the chemistry in the brain, um, our symptoms are going to, they're just going to be dramatic, I guess you can say. So Um, it's not just like a change in mood. It's not just a change in, um, like your energy levels for the day. It's like a constant up and down and there is a huge impact on emotional regulation. And so, um, I guess I'll kind of give some of like how the symptoms of ADHD present themselves so that you can kind of see how this would affect someone with disordered eating or it would cause disordered eating. And I think we can kind of go from there, but so with ADHD, we have, lack of attention or really inattention. And I, I don't really like that definition because I think it's really more an abundance of attention. Like we, we have attention on everything. We don't really know where to focus it. There's definitely a lack of focus. There's, you know, poor time management. Um, we have very weak impulse control. So there's that impulsivity piece of it, exaggerated emotions, hyper-focus, um, hyperactivity, executive dysfunction. So we have trouble with planning and prioritizing and managing. And so that's where the eating piece becomes really difficult. So just forgetting that you need to order your groceries, forgetting what time it is, kind of going long periods of time without eating. There's this piece where because of lack of dopamine, you constantly feel bored. Like there's that dopamine seeking activity that, or dopamine seeking behaviors that we tend to do. 
Um, and so we're constantly looking for something to make us feel like quote unquote normal. A lot of times that drives the dopamine seeking behavior, which is often to look for food or to look for something that will give us, you know, that, that feeling of peace that we're looking for. We hate feeling of boredom. So food is just an easy way to comfort and to self-soothe. And while that's a very normal thing to do for people, if that becomes your only coping mechanism and your only way to self-soothe, that often leads to binge eating or bulimia, right? So the purging piece of it. There's so many things that we see with ADHD, um, but the biggest eating disorders that we see are going to be binge eating disorder, bulimia, and anorexia. And actually people with ADHD have like four times greater risk of becoming bulimic or having binge eating disorder, which is which is a huge stat. There's the hyper-focus piece, which causes us to really hyper-focus on things like body image, body dysmorphia, right, can really occur because of that, because you're so focused on what you look like. There's the perfectionism piece of it as well. So many of us, because we've struggled with like just feeling like we're not normal throughout our entire lives, we struggle to remember things. We struggle to feel like we fit in. We're sort of like too much, too loud, too this, too that. And it's like, it, it creates this feeling of insecurity that we have um, especially if you've been undiagnosed for a really long time and you just feel like, what is wrong with me? Am I different? Mm-hmm. Like, what What's happening? And so that was part of the reason that I felt that way growing up. It was like, I knew I was different. I knew I had trouble focusing. I knew I was very spacey in class and it made me very like hypervigilant and aware that I was different. And I felt like people were like making fun of me. And, you know, you sort of just grow up in this bubble where you feel different. And so we know that that is going to lead to coping mechanisms, which oftentimes leads to food or it can lead to trying to control something, right? So the perfectionism piece is sort of like the way to compensate for that. Um, Most of us recognize ourselves as somebody with perfectionism because we know that we can do things. We know we have the potential, the quote unquote potential to do these things because we can do them when we really put our minds to it. But when it comes to like the lack of interest or the lack of focus, it's really hard to do it. And so it's almost like we need to prove to somebody that we can do something perfectly. And so your body sort of becomes that vessel, right? It's like, well, I'm going to focus on my weight, or I'm going to focus on how much I'm eating. I'm going to try to change my body in this perfect way. And it becomes a sort of, you know, that control that you see with, with disordered eating. Um, and so that sort of increases the risk, but there's also this dopamine seeking behavior that we have. So diets and quick fixes, they promise you these results, right? They promise you that you're going to have this immediate, like shiny reward that you're going to get from it. And, and so that becomes really stimulating for us. And so we love that thrill of really starting something new, doing it perfectly, hyper-focusing on it, and then we get bored with it and we have to try something else. And so it's just like cycle that we get stuck in that binge restrict cycle. So it's like the all or nothing mentality. You're either on the diet or you're off the diet Um, or you're restricting or you're not restricting. And of course, this cycle can go on for years and years and years. 
and you can hide it very well as you do, you know, with disordered eating, because like I said before, a lot of times the, the ADHD can mask the symptoms and we don't recognize it. And so if you're forgetting to eat or you're taking meds for ADHD, that's another one. So um, medications like stimulants can affect your appetite. And so a lot of times it causes you to not eat throughout the entire day. And then you end up binging at night because of it. And so that creates its own issues. So there's there's a lot of things going on with, with ADHD that we have to, to really focus on. I didn't know any any of that. I wouldn't, I think me and my partner have discussed ADHD quite a bit because obviously I think within the mm-hmm. UK anyway, diagnosis, um, it takes forever. And it, unless you want to go private, it, it, again, it's mm-hmm. very expensive and not accessible for all. So I think we've discussed with him anyway, with his relationship with, with focus and things like that. And I, I think, you know, we're all potentially on somewhat of a spectrum, maybe not Definitely not everyone's got ADHD. I wouldn't say for me, that's not been an issue. And I think that's why I don't, haven't understood or had that awareness. So it's really interesting to hear that, that link. And those stats are so shocking. My gosh, like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. expect that at all. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a lot of people also with ADHD that don't know they have it. Yeah. Because they think of it as like a children's disorder, but it's not like it doesn't just go away. Um, you have it into adulthood. And so if you, you're diagnosed as an adult, it just means that they missed it during childhood. Yeah. And, and I suppose, you know, what are, what are the most common symptoms, symptoms one should look out for if they, you know, suspect that they might be struggling with that, like dual challenge of both ADHD and an eating disorder? Obviously, there's different eating disorders that they could be struggling with. But mm-hmm. what are the main kind of things that people should be looking out for? So, I mean, in terms of, it's tough because like I said before, if it's the ADHD that's driving the disordered eating behavior, um, it's going to be the intention behind it that's different, right? It's like you, you might not have the intention of restricting, but it can be that you've restricted all day because you just lost track of time. Um, we have a very difficult time with time management, like I said before. So you might be really hyper-focused on something that you're interested in, or you might be trying to get a project done, or um, you're out shopping, for example, and 15 minutes can feel the same as three hours to you. So it might be like, oh my gosh, I haven't eaten all day. And then you end up going and binging because you're just, your body's compensating for it and you're really starving Um, And then that, depending on how you feel about that behavior of guilt, you know, the guilt and the shame that comes along with it, then that can trigger, um, you know, the purging piece of it. But it's not, it doesn't always happen in that order. Obviously, everyone is very complex. Like it could also be that you're restricting on purpose. um, And so you're thinking about food all day long, but you don't actually eat. It can also be that you want to eat and you didn't lose track of time. But you're so overwhelmed because you don't know how to cook and plan and shop and all these things because they're so overwhelming to you. There's too many steps. You don't have the executive functions to actually do it. Um, you don't you don't get the dopamine to actually be able to do this. And so you don't have food available to you. And then you end up just eating 
the most convenient things that are in the the fridge rather than something that's going to actually make you feel well. And while there's nothing wrong with having convenience foods, I actually include a lot of those in my practice and a lot of those with my clients because there's a lot of stigma around convenience foods and there's nothing wrong with them. But if you are choosing them simply because it's the only thing around and you choose it and you continue to eat it, even though it doesn't make you feel well physically, then that's a different story, right? We need to also respect our bodies and what they're telling us. So it's it's forgetting to eat, forgetting to cook, forgetting you know to do these things because we do struggle with poor working memory. But it's also a poor interoceptive awareness, right? That ability to feel what's happening inside the body, we lack that. So sometimes you can't feel your hunger cues until you're like starving and they're screaming at you. Sometimes you can't feel your fullness. So we tend to overeat or undereat Um, That poor impulse control, like I said before, it's um, maybe you impulsively choose something that you, even though you know it gives you a stomach ache, you're going to do it anyway. Or even though you know it's something that's not going to make you, you know, um, give you energy, you might do it anyway. And so it's learning to really figure out what all of these triggers are that are, that are causing the disordered eating and then figure out, okay, what's the intention behind it? Is there a diet culture piece here that's also sort of um, driving the behaviors as well? And that's that's really what I get into with my clients is, okay, is it really just that you're forgetting to eat or are you doing it intentionally because you've been dieting for so long and you feel like you should skip meals? So it's, it's kind of seeing like the psychological piece behind it. Like what's actually driving this? Are you afraid of weight gain? Are you afraid of you know, sort of something bad happening? Are you afraid of foods? All of these things that we look for with disordered eating, but there's the other piece of it, which is the ADHD. And so one of the things that's tough with recovery for ADHD is a lot of times we do, we have these breakthroughs with people where they do let go of diet culture and they're no longer fear food, but then they're not able to do the planning piece. They're not able to go out and get food or plan and cook and shop and actually do the self-care piece of it. And so that can feel really frustrating and keep them in the cycle. And so that's why when you, when we're talking about recovery, it's really important to have that ADHD piece, like that has to be there. So when people come to me, they've tried a lot of different things, um, but they've never, they never realized that ADHD was the piece that was missing. And so I help them to realize that they do have poor interoceptive awareness. They're not feeling those hunger cues and fullness cues because of this, or maybe it's because they're forgetting to eat. They're not actually putting those barriers or they're not actually breaking down those barriers to allow them to get to a place where they can even eat consistently if they wanted to. So there's, there's a lot involved with it. Definitely. I think it's, it sounds like it's a, a real like tangle, if that yeah. if that makes sense, like a very much like a, a busy mind, which can make things like confused and interlinked and really like messy and probably quite scary. So, you know, how how would somebody go about, you know, starting treatment? What is the what would be the first kind of protocol if somebody, you know, thinks they have ADHD, is not formally diagnosed, maybe because of issues there, you know, knows they have an eating disorder. What would somebody do if they're first like thinking, oh, I've got an issue here? 
Well, I mean, I guess depending on the severity of the eating disorder, which, as you know, sometimes people don't know the severity of it because if you've been in it for a long time, you don't recognize that it's even severe. It is important to try to work with somebody who's ADHD informed so that they understand that you're not just being defiant, that you're actually like if you are trying to actually get help, you're not skipping meals on purpose. You know, you're not doing, you're not, um, doesn't look like you're being resistant in the treatment. That's why it's so important to work with somebody who does understand it. It can be very difficult though, because of the, my clients who have come to me who have already been through the recovery process, there's very, very few that have said that their treatment centers have understood ADHD. And so there's, there is that missing piece. Obviously, if you're really struggling and it's, um, affecting your day-to-day life, then just going and getting help with the eating disorder piece of it is going to be really important because they will provide you with that team that you need, like a psychiatrist and the therapist and whoever else is on your team at that point. So it is really important to do that. But then afterwards, I would highly recommend working with a dietitian who focuses on ADHD and intuitive eating specifically. Um, if you just go to an ADHD dietitian that doesn't do intuitive eating, they might provide you with some restrictive information and that's not going to be helpful for you in your recovery. So making sure that somebody is the right fit for you. Mm. Getting diagnosed with ADHD is also really important um, so that you can feel like relieved in a way that you know that you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. There are like so many people in the world who function with ADHD on a daily basis. Um, And so getting, getting that diagnosis is important. And I know you mentioned in the UK that there is a really long wait time. Um, There is a program in the UK called Right to Choose don't know if you've heard of it, but it's really helpful for getting diagnosed. Um, I think the wait time for the NHS right now is about two years, but if you go through the right to choose program, it's only five or six months. Okay. So they basically allow you to pick a psychiatrist from, I think there's like four or five different companies that they work with. One of them is Psychiatry UK, I want to say, and there's a few others. So I would highly recommend going to the right to choose website, picking you know, one of those companies to work with and getting on their wait list since it's much shorter um, and going through that process. That's what a lot of my clients have done because it is very expensive to do it privately. And then of course, if you're, if you do feel like you have an eating disorder, I don't think waiting five to six months is, you know, possible. I think you should get help right away. So with ADHD, we tend to be very much perfectionists and find the perfect person to go to who's going to help you. There's no time to wait for that if you have an eating disorder. I would just go and get treatment um, right away. And then once you start feeling better, you can work on finding somebody maybe who's a little bit more of a better fit for you, depending on the severity of it. (laughs) And then what I do is I don't work with people who have active eating disorders. My programs are outpatient. Um, I do virtual counseling with people. I basically fill in the gaps for people. So if you're somebody who has ADHD and you have been struggling for a long time, 
and you want to figure out how the ADHD is affecting the way that you eat. I do have like my online course that can help to bring you up to speed and take you through all the steps of intuitive eating, but also in a way that works for ADHD. And then in addition to that, if you need more handholding, which most of us do, I offer my group coaching program um, where you can meet with other people who are going through similar situation as you, help you understand your brain, help you really um, make sure that you're doing the modules and things so that you can actually, you know, obtain the information. And then um, I also offer my one-on-one coaching there as well. So those are all options for people and you can do that from anywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be just in the U.S. Definitely. There's a there's a load of resources out there. I think if you look, I think it's, it's just starting that journey and finding what's right for you a lot yeah. of the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure in the U.S. as well, which some of my listeners are, you know, I don't know how it works with ADHD diagnosis and obviously healthcare is incredibly different. So, yeah. again, it's just consulting with your medical team, I think, and really, really starting that awareness piece because with understanding means we can move move forward a lot of the time yeah absolutely the the awareness piece is what I focus on for the first few weeks with all my clients because they just have these aha moments that's like oh that's why I do that or oh I didn't realize I was even skipping meals because I lose track of time or you know why is everything so overwhelming for me and so they just avoid eating completely because it's just too much. And Definitely. so that, it, that triggers disordered eating a lot of times. So it's figuring out, you know, what's, what's, what came first, the chicken or the egg, <laughs> and then figuring out where to go from there. For sure. For sure. And I suppose, you know, there is, there's stigma surrounding both, unfortunately, both eating disorders and ADHD. How, how would you say we can work more to the, uh, a more compassionate, compassionate area with the both? I think just educating people about ADHD specifically, because um, there's so many people, like millions of people out there who are undiagnosed right now and just think that they have anxiety or depression or that they're broken, that there's something wrong with them, that they're just not good enough. And I think educating yourself about it is so important and thinking that even if you can resonate with any of these symptoms just a little bit, it would be worth getting an assessment done to see if it's helpful because there, it has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with success. Um, Like I've had clients where they come to me and they're like, well, I was told I can't have ADHD because I have a master's degree. And that is the worst advice ever you could give somebody because it has nothing to do with intelligence. Some of the most intelligent people in the world have ADHD. um, And they've also had disordered eating as well. And so it doesn't discriminate against you. It's It's a neurological brain disorder that affects your chemistry balance. And so it doesn't mean that you can't do things. It just means that your brain is wired differently than other people. And so, um, it doesn't hurt to get an assessment done. And one of the things that I recommend is if you're in the U S or even in the UK, you'd have access to this, but you can go to a website called attitude.com and they have lots of self tests that you can do to Mm -hmm. just see if you have the, see if you have the symptoms. There's another one 
through the ADA website, ADDA.org. It's the Attention Deficit Disorder Association website. Um, I would just recommend doing those self-tests. And then if you do have a therapist or a psychiatrist currently, you can bring it up to them. And if they dismiss you, don't take that as an answer if you really resonate with it. Because a lot of the therapists and psychiatrists, unfortunately, have not really been well-trained on ADHD. They see it as a disorder of children or of, you know, hyperactive little boys. And it just presents much differently in women. So I highly recommend if you feel like it could be that to, you know, keep working towards getting your diagnosis if you feel like you have it. Yeah, that's so helpful for people just know that there's stuff out there. Um, and I think for me as well, it's just been really interesting to understand what actually some of the struggles and the overlap there is, you know, and mm-hmm. we draw to a close. Obviously, some people don't have, you know, the loved ones around them and it, it can be incredibly, incredibly hard to not have those people. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you are a loved one of someone and you suspect that they may be dealing with either ADHD and eating disorder or both, what steps can help you know, do to provide support? The first thing I would say is to try to just have some compassion and know that they are struggling because ADHD is, um, it can feel like your head is spinning constantly. And while you might not be able to see it from the outside, there's a lot going on in the mind <laughs> that, that you can't see. And the same thing with disordered eating as well. Um, it can be a really dark place to be in. Start with self-compassion and then, you know, offer, offer to help, um, if they're ready. And if they are, then you could potentially do some research on some local ADHD specialists, because one of the things that we struggle with the most with ADHD is actually taking action. It's task initiation. So we might spend two hours trying to find the perfect you know, psychiatrist or therapist or somebody that can help us with disordered eating or, you know, with actually getting diagnosed. And then we get distracted and we completely forget about it. Um, So it takes a little bit of handholding, but not in a way that you're putting the person down, not telling them that they're stupid or that they can't get things done. It really, it's genuinely the issue with executive functioning, it's like you don't have somebody in your brain conducting what, what you need to do. You know what you need to do, but you can't actually get it done. You can't get the dopamine to actually do it. So it's not like, oh, you should just call this person or you should just go to this treatment center. Like you can tell someone with ADHD to go do that, but that doesn't actually mean that it's gonna, they're going to get it done. So I would help them do it call for them, sit with them while they call to make sure that it gets done to help them build the dopamine and the courage to be able to do it themselves. Um, it really does take a lot of hand holding. So if you can help them and support them in any way, in a very neutral way without putting them down or making them feel bad or that they're broken, that would be the most beneficial. For sure. I think it's just that compassion aspect, isn't it? You know, yeah. that people people just need to be cared for and not blamed because we can't control our brains. We we can a lot of the time decide what to do with the thoughts, but we can't control control the thoughts. So it's just kindness and compassion. Um, 
so thank you so much for you know being on this this episode I think it's been really really enlightening and I hope a lot of people find it useful and maybe if you've been struggling in the dark will help you seek some seek some support you know move moving forward but for the listeners Nicole how how can they find you I mean obviously I'll leave the links down below but Mm -hmm. how, how can people find you um, so I have my website, um, it's www.eatingwithadhd.com and you can find all of my services, um, my group programs, my one-on-ones. Um, you can find my course there as well. You can set up a discovery call and then you can also find me most of the time on Instagram. Um, eating with ADHD is my handle. Although I tend to just disappear for a while because of my ADHD, (laughs) but you can find lots of information there as well. And then if you, if you do go to my website, I have like a 40 minute free training that talks all about what ADHD is and the symptoms. So that might be really helpful for you guys. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll, I'll leave everything, everything down below. Um, me, me and Nicole were talking before the call and she's actually in the UK exploring at the minute. So for my UK listeners, that's exciting. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the rest of your travels and, you know, I'm excited for the listeners to hear this episode. And as always, if you have any questions for me, um, or for Nicole, I'm sure you can, you know, you'll be happy to, to answer those, um, you know, when, when we, if, and when we have, we have time, but, um, thank you again, Nicole, um, for the listeners, you know, if you do like this episode, please make sure to leave a review. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for episodes or guests, just reach out. I am always there to answer anything, but for now, thank you again. And yeah, I'll see you in the next episode.